Buds and Blue Jays. Your place for everything related to the Toronto Blue Jays. Here's your hosts, Jesse Burrell and Riley McConnell. Now let's get on with the show. And just like that, our season is over. Good evening, everybody. It is Jesse Burrell, and that's Riley McConnell. Welcome to episode 139 of Buds and Blue Jays. And just as quickly as our postseason began, in the blink of an eye, it is done. We lost game one of the series to the Minnesota Twins, four to one, and we lose game two of the series to the Minnesota Twins, two to nothing. It is the Blue Jays' seventh straight postseason loss. In fact, no player on the current Blue Jays roster has hit a home run with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yikes. This is our instant and immediate postgame reaction. We are recording about one and a half hours after the Blue Jays' last pitch and after we watched Minnesota on the field. Riley, I watched the game. I know you watched the game. I know all of you guys watching at home watch the game and we have a lot of things we want to say Riley but I want to pass it to you first what are your thoughts after losing and officially being eliminated from postseason contention I'm absolutely exasperated right now I'm almost <laughs> excuse me I'm almost at a loss for words um, it's 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 very disappointing to see what happened in this series we did not put our best baseball forward we did not put our smartest baseball forward as far as playing managing any of that it just it wasn't the effort that was it wasn't even the effort that got more than scored us more than half a run a game over two games that's we'll say that um in a playoff game where runs mean so much our offense absolutely did nothing um and i'll get i'll give minnesota a little bit of credit they had some timely hits and, and took advantage of of when we opened the door for them but i mean jesse we you and i were at the rogers center last year we saw mm -hmm. an absolute massacre unravel in front of our own eyes we watched the game today but i i, I don't know we were in a group chat, obviously, with um, with friends of the show, Kyle Gould and Isaac Bass, and like we, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pussyfoot around this subject, Jesse. We were being pretty hard on the Jays, and by, uh, you know, by the middle innings, we all pretty much agreed that this the ball game was over. We had lost hope at that point, and that sucks to say, and I hate to admit that, but I'm not gonna come here and BS how we all felt about this ball game, about this series. It, it wasn't our best effort, and we knew that we weren't going to come back from almost any run differential in this. Yeah, two and, runs yeah, felt like nine. We weren't, two runs felt like nine. I was saying that to Isaac. It's like in hockey how, you know, you're if you're down by one goal, it can feel like three, and if you're up by, you know, three goals, it can feel like one. But these runs, hey, when the Twins put runs up on the board, they – they held their lead, man. So I guess give credit to them and I'll give our hitters absolutely no credit. We couldn't do anything as far as oh, extra base hits or anything like that. Like it's just, it was just sad. This is not how this team was designed. And we, we just, uh, we underperformed so bad. I mean, we had expectations coming into this year. And I think, uh, you know, it, we felt, it, we felt very short as far as pretty much every category went, maybe an exception to pitching. Yeah. Riley, are you surprised at all 
with how this postseason went. Like, this is the Blue Jays team we saw all season. The team couldn't hit with runners in scoring position. The team couldn't get a rally. The team was making outs on the base paths. The team was making questionable managerial decisions. This team did all of that in these two games. And in fact, if you ask me, these two games that we lost against the Minnesota Twins were almost a perfect summary of what happened with the Toronto Blue Jays all season. So frankly, I'm not surprised we lost in two games. I think our argument was, well, just get in. You never know. The team has talent. The talent should flow through. But ultimately, it didn't happen here. So me personally, I am not surprised one bit that the Blue Jays lost these two. I think we said on our playoff preview that the Jays were either going to go on a Phillies-esque run all the way to the World Series, or they're going to be out in two games. And honestly, it's not even come close. And frankly, that's what happened. We lost in two, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, we didn't even get Chris Bass to start in this yeah. series. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this was Jose Brios's game from the start. And yeah, I, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I'm going to go back uh, many weeks ago and my expectation for the season really fell off. Um, and I'll go back to a very specific uh, play in the Rogers Center at the Jonah Heim Grand Slam. That was the exact moment in this 2023 season where I basically said to myself, if we don't make the postseason, if we fall short, I'm not going to get too worked up. I'll be extremely disappointed. But I, at the same time, too, it's that's when it's I felt like it not, was over, right? And that's when I felt like it was over. And then, of course, you know, uh, they really tease us, and we get in after a Seattle loss. Um, but no surprise whatsoever. I mean, the Twins pitchers brought it. And did our they, hitters though? did not like, bring it. Did as the far as pitchers I, bring it, like, hey, I thought an aging Sonny Gray, um, I thought was actually very vulnerable. We did not take advantage of it. Pablo Lopez, on the other hand, I thought he's an extremely. We should have. We should have. We could have, and we definitely should have taken advantage of Sonny Gray. I still will give their pitchers credit. They kept us to not hitting balls out of the yard. I mean, yeah. again, like they. They might have gotten a couple guys on base, but we couldn't take advantage of it. So whether you call it good pitching or not, their line scores look fantastic going into the division series. Yeah, and I think it was more Blue Jays' bats that made the Twins pitchers look good than it was more so the Minnesota pitchers doing it. And, like, look, I'm going to read you some stat lines from Blue Jays players in this series, and you can make the argument that one and a half Toronto Blue Jays actually had a good series. George Springer, Mr. Playoffs, the guy who has the second most postseason home runs out of all current major leaguers, two for nine in this series, including 0 for five in game one. Brandon Belt, the guy who hit home runs in three of his last four games and like 11 home runs in his last like 20 games or something like that. 0 for eight this playoffs with five strikeouts. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., supposed to be our best player, one for seven in this series. Bo Bichette was decent aside for his strikeout in game one, but four for eight. That'll work. Biggio, one for eight, three strikeouts. Some of them bad strikeouts too, just looking. Even Kirk, two for six. Kiermaier, two for five. Chapman, one for seven. Varsho, a guy that was Isaac and Mize kind of picked to click, a guy who could have a good postseason here. 0 for five, two strikeouts. Whit Merrifield even was 0 for one. And the only other hitter you could say was good was Espinal, who had an infield dribbler and then a soft line drive to the other field. He was two for two. That's it, Riley. I don't know about you, but no team is ever going to win a playoff game with guys hitting that poorly across the series. Not only will it not win you playoff games, I mean, had this been, let's, you know, let's pretend that this is a different series and we're playing a best of seven, which we're not. I'm just playing hypotheticals. If those are your first two games in a playoff series, you're, you, you are just on the road to get swept. No matter mm -hmm. how many games mm -hmm. this series was, 
if you want to say we were doomed from the start, which, Jesse, I don't think we were really doomed from, from the start, but we certainly didn't make anything easy on ourselves. Uh, we just We just simply did not compete with a team that I think we could have and should have taken full advantage of. Whether right. we're playing in the whether we're playing at the dome or not, too, I don't think it matters. We just didn't bring we just didn't bring anything for Minnesota. Yeah. And I want to talk a little more about the offense here. Like out of those hits the Blue Jays got, how many of them did you see like was a pulled line drive? I mean, Matt Chabin almost had one. It was about a foot foul, but it's foul, and that's the way it goes. I know Bo Bichette hit one, but it was more of a bloop that he just flicked over the shortstop's head. Like I don't remember one, Riley, solid line drive that was hit to the pull side. And yes, the Blue Jays had a few balls that were hit very deep to center field. Chapman had one. Vladdy had one. Um, I think even Barsho had one. There was another one. But they were all hit 390 feet to dead center field, which their center fielder just caught. It's an out. And I don't care how hard you're hitting the ball for your hard hit rates or any of that stuff. If you are hitting the ball to an out. The reason why Minnesota won game one is because Royce Lewis, even though his home runs were only 370 feet, he hit him to the right field and left field where it's a home run, where runs count. This has been the story for the Blue Jays the whole season. They've been great in hard hit rates. Their barrel stuff all looks good, but they're not turning into hits. And I think they are not pulling the baseball to the pull side. The Blue Jays' two best hitters this year, arguably, aside from Bo Bichette, you can make the argument, were Davis Schneider and Danny Jansen. And both guys who were great at pulling the baseball and hitting it to the air. I don't think that's an accident. And I really, really, really want to see the Blue Jays change their hitting mentality going into next year, or else it's simply just not going to work. This series desperately needed a Danny Jansen in it. I thought that from the beginning. And we to answer your initial question, Jesse, I mean, no, I, I mean, the Espinal dribbler was technically a pulled baseball. Technically, and, yes. Uh, yeah, well, and, and then the Chapman will be, you can't even call that one because it's hit foul. At the end of the day, it's a loud strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, what does it matter? And yeah, they're like, if you hit anything to Michael A. Taylor out in the outfield, he's going to make some great defensive plays. They were hit on a rope, but yeah, if you pull the ball or wait on it a minute, we see how Bobachet's really good at muscling the ball into right field. Has even gone yard there. And hell, even Chapman had a stupid low wall scraper in the final series of the year. Like just things like that. Like, yeah, you're lining it out to center and they look great. They're hard hit balls, but yeah, they're just, they're just loud outs. And we, j- with too many pop-ups, I said in my head, kind of, the guys, you got to swing hard and through. You got to swing hard and through. Boom, pops it up. Or, or or weak contact. And some of our hits were off weak contact, which I'll take those. But we didn't even string together enough of those to rally for innings. And when we did rally for innings, Jesse, when we did get runners in scoring position, again, the story in game one that I was talking about with Isaac and now we run into the same damn thing that we've been we talked about it this year. Jesse, this should rarely be a discussion on this show. Mm-hmm. I think base I running is too. a very it's a rudimentary thing in the game of baseball. Hey, let's talk about a pitcher who gave up six earned runs over three. Let's talk about a guy who had five RBIs in the game. How many times have we gone back to this base running crap, man? And okay, yesterday is is Bulbashet. I'm gonna lay this one up to you, Jesse. You you tell me tell me what happened if for those listening, because I don't even think I want to say it. I'm just gonna listen and give you my uh, if, if you don't know how I feel already, then I think <laughs> you don't watch the show enough. 
Riley, we feel like a lot of Blue Jays fans do after this one. But yes, Bo Bichette was in the middle of a heated battle against Sonny Gray that was getting tired. He was throwing a lot of pitches. Bo Bichette, who has been our best hitter probably all season, to be honest, was up with two men on. And when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gets picked off second base, and you cannot have that one bit. And it's it's not the like his lead didn't look egregious or whatever, right? But he did not look like he was in an athletic position to move either way. He kind of looked like he was just standing there, hands on his hips, ready to go. So when Carlos Correa ran back and was able to get there, and look, he was out. I don't know if you saw the replay. Sportsnet, at least the one that I was watching, never really showed a good replay. I think it's because they knew he was out right away. But yeah, he was out and it cost them and it cost them dearly. Like, I think the run expectancy on that play shot up, shot down like maybe 20 something percent in Minnesota's favor after that. And that's just a bad blow in a game where scoring one run feels monstrous or a game where you knew that runs are going to be at a premium when you are making outs on the bases with your best hitter at the plate is frankly unacceptable at this point. And honestly, this is stuff that should be hashed out at spring training. I don't know if this is on Vladdy and his effort. We've talked about Vladdy and his effort and his laziness, quote unquote, laziness throughout the course of the season before. And is this on Vladdy to be better? Is he not motivated? And if that is the case, if he is not motivated, isn't that on your manager, John Schneider to make sure your players are motivated and in a good spot? Because a situation like this in the playoffs where everything matters so much, that is unacceptable and cannot be happening. I'm calling for heads, man. That's awful. Hey, uh, we'll get into that real quick about yeah. about who's on the line. To the base running gaff, I think it simply came down to it was a lapse of concentration. Yeah, I which, would be which I, can't I, happen, though. I know it can't happen, yeah. but this is this is Vladdy, like not thinking like you need to be a like you said, you need to be in an athletic pose. You need to know where as a base runner, you need to know where the infielders are located. You need to know the count. You need to know how many outs there are. You need to know all those things as a base runner. I think the only time, Jesse, that is is an appropriate time to get picked off. Is if you're, I think, first base and if you have a big lead because you're attempting to steal. If you get picked off because that happened, I can forgive something like that. Because 10 times out of 10, the guy who's on first base doing exactly what I said is in an athletic pose. And he's probably out by inches. Out by inches because he's diving back head first, touching his right hand to the back left corner of the bag. All those things. Like, yeah, the play on second was close with Vladdy. But like, yeah, he was probably out and it was a, it was a, I don't know, you can't call it poor effort, but his mindset was poor effort as far as just allowing that to happen. And it goes back to, we've made too many bad base running mistakes. And this goes up there because you want to talk about clutch hitting. There should be a stat somewhere probably exists clutch base running. And that is, is detrimental. That is mm-hmm. an inning killer. Mm-hmm. That is a playoff killer. That, that We're is down a season the killer, really. Where everything, where everything matters. Regular season doesn't matter. Everything in this game two is the only thing that matters. And I, wh- whoever dropped the ball, whether that's coaching or Vladdy, oh, we'll talk about who's who's heads on the chopping block. We'll get way more into that in the, in, in the next episode. But for right now, yeah, Vladdy's got to be smarter on the base pass. He's not the only one to blame. But in this situation, I believe he's the only one to blame. It's not on the coaches. They're not out there holding his hand on second base. Mm -hmm. 
Like, I also want to point out, like, I understand target field was loud, but can't you hear the guy sprinting behind you? Like, is that not something you can listen to and hear for? Like, Vladdy must not, like, Carlos Correa, 6'4". Like, he's not a small guy. Like, I don't know. Is he running on his feet, like his toes after his torn ACL or whatever? Like, I don't know. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And I've never, well, that's not true. I've been hurt at baseball games before, but that one really, really did sting. Riley? What I'm about to bring up here wasn't the reason that the Blue Jays lost the game here, but we have to talk about it. And I'm having flashbacks to like uh, the 2020 series with Matt Shoemaker and Robbie Ray or whatever. But Jose Barrios, Riley, this was the best I have ever seen Jose Barrios. I wasn't here on your episode last night after your game one reaction, but I was listening back to it and you guys were both pumping up Jose Barrios and I was sitting there like, oh boy, oh boy. But I was happily proven wrong, Riley. He looked amazing. This might've been the best Jose Barrios I think I've ever seen. He was hitting fastballs on both sides of the plate, Riley. The sweeper was either at the bottom of the zone or just below the zone, like 95% of the time. I think he threw two bad sweepers and that was it. Like this was amazing stuff from Jose Barrios. And then John Schneider comes out after walking a guy in what was a good at bat to lead off the fourth inning and going to Yusei Kikuchi. Like it was obvious. I think not just to us that was watching the game. I think it was obvious to almost anybody. You knew as soon as um, Kikuchi was going to be put into the game, he was going to allow a run and the Blue Jays weren't going to score any. And the game was over. Like that felt obvious to me. How did you feel about that? I mean, I, I'm not going to go back on our phone conversation stuff. Facebook. I can pull out all our reactions, all four of us, and how it's shocking. This and I, I, I like. I don't know who. I don't know if I. Well, I should have said it in the chat. Like, and I think I said it to friend of the show, Ian. I think I said this was Jose Brios's game, and it was taken from him. Mm-hmm. I wanted he could have gone seven innings for sure. Would it have been a different result? Keeping him in in the sixth inning, we have no idea. But all we know is over the less than 60 pitches, less than 60 pitches, it was a number in the 50s of pitches he threw, which is not a lot for a starting pitcher like Jose Brios. While he was dealing, this is a ballpark he knows. Maybe him and the mound at target field have something. I don't know. But this was his game. He was taken out way too, way too prematurely. We put in Yusei Kikuchi, who, Jesse, hang that jersey behind you with pride. Kikuchi had a spectacular year. Yeah. But this was his first time coming out of the bullpen this season. Why? Because he's been a damn good starting pitcher. And we decide to throw a guy who's been a starter. Fair enough. But it's the wrong. It's it's That's overmanaging almost at its finest. And for me, I, I really – I almost want to have a whole – rip the coaching staff episode for me it comes down to how and not even this game jesse we could pull five six other instances just in the last two months of wrong decisions as far as the pitching goes this is in no way you say kikuchi's fault i feel bad i don't feel bad for him because i still thought he pitched great after he gave up the little hiccup there but Brio's taken out way too prematurely. He would have figured it out. And maybe we're talking a different ball game. At the same time, too, we didn't score any runs. Yeah. So what the yeah. hell does it matter? It, it honestly matters none. But Brio's taken out way prematurely. Uh, if you want to talk about a most improved type of player, Brio's did absolutely fantastic. He was the last guy to leave the dugout. Mm-hmm. I know he was waving to his teammates and stuff from Minnesota. That's fine. 
Um, like I wish we could have celebrated for you, Brios, because he put a, put a really gutsy performance, and John Schneider stole that game from you. I want to say to three his line, three innings pitch, three hits, one earned run, one walk, five strikeouts. Riley, remember what we've been talking about a lot about Jose Brios is like, well, he's getting lucky, but he is giving up a lot of hard hit balls all season. Zero, Riley, zero hard hit baseballs against Jose Barrios in this game. Yeah. And his um his stuff, his fastball was up a mile and a half. His sweeper was up like 1.7. Like I was not kidding when I said this was the best Jose Barrios I ever saw. And as a manager at John Schneider, I get it. I get that you have a game plan going in. I get that your higher ups are probably telling you, no, nah, you got to pull Jose Barrios as soon as you can. I get it. But whatever happened to the eye test or the feel for the game, the feel for your pitcher, we saw watching the game, Riley, that Jose Brios was the best he's ever been. How could the manager not see that, right? That's what I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. I just want to add, to that uh, the one earned run was after Brios was out of the game. Yeah. Um, when Kikuchi was on the hill, I don't know if I had to specify there. But yeah. I am an eye test guy. This is why I hate all the huge metrics and things. I get that they help the game. Yeah. I well, get I, that they I give you an the idea. Metrics, and even I, I know you move. do. Yeah. Do you know what I like, Jesse? Yeah, is is as far as playoff baseball, when you're playing a series of games against a team, the only, a number that pops out, oh wow, this guy's two for thirty against the starting pitcher. Well, yeah. That number tells me enough if there's a guy, oh, but this guy's 7 for 11 against it. Oh, it's an easy swap there. But when you're talking about the really cut in-depth stuff, that means kind of nothing at this point. 162 games, yeah, that means something. But we're playing right now. We're not even talking about division series, which is five games, uh, and then a league championship and a World Series, which are seven. Like, we lost a best two out of three in two games. And basically, yeah, like I said, they made the comparison last night. That's like playing rock, paper, scissors and losing twice in a row and it's done. And it felt like, Jesse, it was over that quickly. Yeah. And and honestly, I don't know what else to say here. I have some quotes, Riley, that um, some teammates have recently said. There's more coming out as we speak. So I'm sure after this episode, we will see more. But um, here's what John Schneider said. He's like, look, you can sit here and you can second guess me, second guess the organization, second guess anybody. I get that. I get that. And it's tough. And it didn't work out for us today or yesterday. But that's baseball sometimes. And I'm getting sick and tired of hearing, oh, that's just baseball. That's how this thing goes. Like, <laughs> no, I'm getting annoyed <laughs> about that very much. And two players, Riley, were asked about Jose Barrios coming out. Um, Vladdy said he was, quote, surprised as anybody about it. And Whit Merrifield was asked about taking Jose Barrios out early. And Whit Merrifield said, Quote, I hated it, frankly. It's not what costs us the game, but it's the kind of baseball decisions that are taking away from managers and baseball at this stage of the game. I, um, Riley, I don't know about you, but this sounds to me like the players are turning on John Schneider and maybe John Schneider doesn't have respect of the players or anything like that. And Riley, I will say, we don't have to dive deep on this, but if your manager doesn't have respect of your players, I don't think you have much of a future as manager of this team. No, and I and hey, I don't think there's much... Look, you were a manager in the minor leagues. We tested you out. It was a failed experiment. We, you did not fail just on your own. The players failed you. Yes, and agreed. I think agreed. are we are we are we as the Toronto Blue Jays a hard team to manage? I honestly think yes and no. I honestly think there are some players on this team that are probably very easy to manage. I think Jose Barrios. 
exception. I think the game today shows you a lot about his character. Tons about his character. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Team guy stayed to the end. Absolutely. Stayed to the end. Knew when it was his time to go. And he shoved. When he was, I know he wasn't out there long, but he shoved. And he watched the game with the rest of his team. And he, I mean, what a great guy. Vladdy, I don't know so much. Bo, I don't know so much. I don't, and as far as the veteran goes, I don't even know what kind of person Matt Chapman is right now because we saw the whole conversation. Basically, don't be mad at me, John Schneider putting his arm around him. Like, what does that tell you about yeah. his personality that you have to do that? Like, hey, I was a loose cannon when I played too, but no, no coach put his arm around me and said, Hey, Riley, there's a lefty. We got to take you out of the game. No one consoled me and, like a like a five-year-old kid and said, there, there, don't be upset. Right. You, as a manager, you think Jim Leland would say to anybody like, oh, sorry, but I have to do this. No, he would literally say, he'd probably put out his smoke on the bottom step and say, <laughs> take that helmet off and so-and-so, you're going to hip for so-and-so. Yeah. And he like and if he didn't talk to you for the rest of the game, that's no don't take it hard, but yep. that's how you manage a baseball team. Yeah, I get exactly. that it's cool to be buddy buddy with people, but at the end of the day, are you looking for a homeboy or are you looking for a father figure? Because right. for me, a baseball manager is someone who is the biggest leader in the clubhouse, someone who sets the example, kind of like a father figure. I'll stop. I'll stop this. We'll get way more into this another time because I still have lots to say about the uh, coaching staff, the management, yada, yada, yada. Oh yeah. We got a lot to talk about. At least a lot of content came out of this. So that's good for, at least for you and me, who are going to be recording episodes all throughout the off season. Um, Riley, I just want to talk about a few more things that caught my attention in this series or this game, at least the first thing was that Matt Chapman double down the line. Boy, what a game changer that is. If that stays fair, because on the very next pitch, he hit into a double play. Riley, that was Matt Chapman's first double play since June the 25th. And go figure that it happened right then and there in that time. He looked cheesed. Another thing I I saw here was um, Kevin Biggio did have some very bad strikeouts in this game. He also tried to take out Griffin Jacks in the eighth inning, running up the line. I think you said two episodes ago, bring back running over the catcher. Try to do whatever you can I, to get on base. I, I, I don't know. I know I say that. I might have said that on air. I think I say that out loud once a week. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to see that. That was cool. I just, I don't love that Davis Schneider didn't see the field. I don't love that um, that Chris Bassett never saw the field in this game. I really think the Blue Jays could have done more, and I do not think we left our best on the field. Riley, we're going to get into this a lot during the offseason, so I don't want to get into a lot of this now, but the Blue Jays have a lot of notable players that are going to be leaving this team. Like Free agents include Matt Chapman, Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermeyer. Whit Merrifield has a mutual option. I'd be very surprised if the Blue Jays exercise that for $18 million. Jordan Hicks is a free agent. Chad Green is a club option. I'd imagine the Blue Jays will keep that. And then Hunjin Ryu is also a free agent. I think we can say one thing guaranteed, Riley, is that this Blue Jays team is going to look very different next year and that this offseason is going to be very, very interesting for this team. Uh, spoiler alert! I'll let you know how I feel. I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not 
picking up anyone's option or bringing back any restricted free agents. I'll keep it short like that. We'll have yeah. we'll have a big. We're going to talk oh, that, a lot I, about that later. Hell, yeah. that could be a two part episode because there's so many holes to fill, Jesse. I'm excited for it, but I guess I guess the only good thing to come out of this is I guess there's no ball game tomorrow night. You and I can do our um, hockey fantasy draft right. piece. I That's guess right. if you want, hey, uh, yeah, silver lining, whatever. Although we, it's easy to s- switch in both. But hey, last game of the year, we definitely went far from going out on top. Uh, but it's, it hurts just the same, Jesse. It hurts just the same. It's sa- same feeling as last year, the same sour feel in your mouth. One more note. Isaac did want to pass along a message that he wanted to say because he couldn't be on this episode here today, but his, his um, reaction or his note was this. He says, it's the offense's fault. We agree with him. The offense needed to be better. Whole management on bench and at the top need to go. And we need somebody to stop treating Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Like a child. I think we covered all of those things in this episode here today. So Isaac is on the same page as us. Um, Riley. Look, I know you and I both didn't want to be recording this episode today. I know you guys at home listening to us didn't want to listen to this episode here today. But in reality, this is where we are. And look, we now have two seasons left of our core before Vladimir Guerrero Jr., before Bo Bichette, Jordan Romano, and I guess Alec Manoa, you know, all reach free agency. <laughs> we have two years left of this competitive window being open before it shuts down and the Blue Jays are likely going on another rebuild. So... Buckle up, Blue Jays fans. It really is now or never. Riley, is there anything else you want to add? Anything else you saw in these last two playoff games before we get out of here today? No, let's, 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 you know, pretty well canner here. Jesse, we have endless things to talk about over the next couple of weeks. I know you and I, and the way we think, we'll be stewing on this for some time. I haven't, like, I listen into Jay's talk after the show and just people phoning. I haven't even really looked at... You know, the complete line score, anything like this. I got no notes in front of me. This is all kind of just going off emotions and what I saw. But, I mean, I'm definitely going to have to do another rewind for myself to just kind of figure out what I just witnessed. Because at the same time, too, as much as you're watching, as much as you kind of get this surreal feeling like, wow. And I, it, I still can't believe that uh, that our 2023 campaign is over just like that. The same kind of feel the same kind of way a hundred we played 164 games the same number as last year it's tough it is tough it is tough indeed you guys listening at home leave your comments down below how you feel about this toronto blue jays vent out any frustrations you have we'll talk with you we'd love to hear them let's have our group therapy session together Programming note from us, if you are just joining us for the stretch run and down to the offseason, Riley and I are still going to do this throughout the offseason. Our plan is probably about one episode a week, typically about hour-long episodes. We'll cover any moves, any free agents, any trades, any management firings, literally anything. I think we spent 35 minutes talking about a Junior Fernandez signing last offseason. So we will go through and we will talk about all this stuff this offseason as well. So make sure you stay with us. We'll be more active on the socials because, well, there's less games and we have more time to do some fun stuff. So please stick around with us on all that. I guess with that being said, buckle up. Hot stove season is now upon us earlier than we all wanted it to be, but it will be a very interesting one for the Blue Jays and Blue Jays front office going forward. For Riley McConnell, I'm Jesse Burrell. Let's go Blue Jays one more time for the regular season. Well, let's go Blue Jays. And thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for viewing. Thanks for listening.